Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington. Got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page on the line, coming to you after the National 6-1 loss to the Rays, as I type that on Twitter as well. Dave will be there in one second. I'm just multitasking here, as usual. I hope I didn't type anything wrong. Start with Gio Gonzalez on the mound. Interesting article from the Washington Post, James Wagner, about Gio using his two-seam fastball more than ever today. Might have been the last few days. I read it today, whatever. 37.8% of the time so far this season, up from 23.3%. Rise in ground ball percentage to a career-high 56.1% so far in 2015. But a 4.42 ERA, 308-279, line against, 71 in the third before tonight. Doesn't get off to a good start. Denard Span, nonchalata. Kevin Kiernan single to center, turns it into a double, a stolen base, and a sack fly later. And that's her down, one nothing, three nothing after a three three after three RBI single, sack fly, bases loaded in the fourth for the third time. A sack fly by Longoria makes it four nothing, five nothing quickly after that. Gio Gonzalez out after just three in the third innings pitch tonight. Didn't look sharp the whole time. The Nationals as a team looked kind of flat coming off of the. Big game by Max Scherzer yesterday in Milwaukee. Probably a long flight to get down to Tampa after that, and not too surprising to see them come out like they did, but not fun to watch either. No, um, it wasn't fun to watch. Um, Gio was was fairly terrible tonight. I mean, the statistics (laughs) obviously say so. You know, five earned runs uh, in three and a third and 11 total base runners. So that's pretty much the definition of of, of pretty terrible. you know, he just uh, – everything he put up there, you know, whether he was throwing the fastball more or um, he certainly wasn't using his, his curveball a whole lot. He was uh, pretty much going uh, fastball change up there for the first inning or two anyway, and, and nothing was working. I mean, everything was um, – they were – you know, they weren't uh, weren't hitting home runs off of him, but they didn't have to because they just had a uh, endless parade of base runners. I think uh, I think the, the Rays had the bases loaded in three of the first four innings. So, um tough to win baseball games when you are continually uh, allowing base runners to the other team. And um, and it's tough to pitch out of the fourth inning when you give up 11 base runners and three and a third. What do you think? I don't know if you read that article, but what do you think about him kind of focusing on the two-seamer this year? Still using the four-seamer some, but not nearly as much as he has in the last few seasons. He's getting more ground balls, not striking people out. Do you think this is him realizing that he doesn't have quite the stuff he had the last couple of years right now and kind of shifting to do it? Or do you think he's just got that two-seamer working and liking it so far, so he's sticking with it? Well, I haven't read the article, but I will tell you that if they're pitching to try to generate more contact as opposed to avoiding contact, they're doing it wrong. Um, I think <laughs> uh, I think the Nats philosophical the pitching philosophy um, has – stunted Steven Strasburg, and if they're doing the same thing to Gio Gonzalez, then they're stunting him too. The best thing a pitcher, the very best thing a pitcher can do is strike a guy out, not allow him to make contact. Um, because when you allow a batter to make contact, nothing but bad things can happen unless it's hit right at somebody. When you strike somebody out, here's the thing, they can't reach base. So if they're instructing Gio to pitch less for strikeouts and more for contact, then they are inviting trouble, and guess what? They did. Six nothing uh, after five innings. Erasmo Ramirez is my first look at him. 
five and one, two nine seven ERA, two oh two, two ninety eight, five seventy line, and thirty three innings pitched since he moved into the rotation on a regular basis in mid May. Four forty three ERA, three eight seven FIP, two forty, three thirty one, three fifty eight line against as a starter overall this season. Six scoreless tonight on hundred and three pitches. That's one for five with runners in scoring position against him. Nine left on base. The guy has a decent fastball, low 90s, 92. Really devastating change. They talked a lot about that in the pregame notes on him. He's getting a lot of strikeouts with the change. Uh, nothing spectacular from him, but he's been pretty solid the last uh, since they moved him into the rotation in mid-May. Six and one at this point now. Yeah, um, you know, here's another middling pitcher that uh, that the Nats couldn't do anything with. I mean, uh, um, we've remarked on it a couple of different times. I mean, this Nats team is in a deep, deep funk batting. But I mean, let's let's go over who they had in, in the lineup tonight. I mean, after you get past the first um, five hitters, you know, they're all guys that the Nats didn't plan on being in the lineup. But we saw this last year. The first two months of the season, uh, the Nats were only sending, uh, you know, five to six competent major league hitters a night and the the six seven eight nine guys um were all um you know below average i mean tonight we've got an american league lineup but um you know we'll see it again i mean clint robinson you know was a surprise made made the team out of spring training um career journeyman made his major league debut at 30 uh danny espinosa not to take anything away from what he's done this year um but uh um is trying to resurrect his career after two two and a half to three years lost due to injury Michael Taylor, who's a rookie who should be playing in AAA right now, and I think the Nets wished he could be playing in AAA uh, so to be able to get um, play in center field and be able to move into Denard Spann's uh, role in center field full-time next year. And let's not forget Ian Desmond, who hasn't had a base hit since, well, May. <laughs> he had one in the series against Milwaukee, so not entirely true, but just as well with one hit in his last five or six games. So really rough to watch at this point. We'll come back to him in a minute. Steven Souza uh, had a big season at AAA with the Nationals in 2014, 350, 432, 577 line, 25 doubles, 18 home runs in 96 games, also made his MLD debut, hit two home runs in short time up in the majors, traded in a three-team deal that brought Joe Ross and Trey Turner to the Nationals, getting a chance to start for the Tampa Bay Rays, which is good for him, 216, 304, 433, heading into this game in 59 games, 236 uh, plate appearances, nine doubles, 12 home runs to lead the Rays, but also 82 Ks, which has always been a problem with him, Uh, five walks tonight, which is kind of ridiculous, but (laughs) leads the Rays in home runs and stolen bases so far, one of only three people in the majors to be doing that so far. The Nationals had a choice. Basically, not you know it doesn't come down to exactly this, but you're looking at the outfielders they have there. Michael Taylor or Steven Souza essentially was the choice they had to make. They were willing to trade Souza this win uh, this winter to get what they needed and get some good prospects back from the San Diego deal and that three team trade. But at least Souza's off to a good start. But we saw a little bit of both of them tonight. Michael Taylor with a great catch in left field, uh, one for three with a walk. Really nice play out in left, though. So I think they made the right decision going with Taylor, even if he may, might, as you said, should not be up here playing every day at this point or is up there only because of an emergency. Yeah, you know, um, you know, good for Steven Souza getting an opportunity to play for Tampa Bay pretty much every day. Um, I guess the Nats' uh, um, scouting report on him is to walk him at all costs since he becomes <laughs> the third player in the history of Major League Baseball to receive five walks without scoring or driving in a run. So uh, good for him to, to, to tie the Major League record tonight. But 
Um, but yeah, I think you know, like I alluded to earlier, I think the Nats would rather have had Michael Taylor be able to sit in in AAA all year, uh, getting another year playing center field, getting another year um, getting full full at bats, playing every day, um, as opposed to um, you know coming up here and, and playing you know every other day, every third day, whatever they're doing, uh, as they have to uh, uh, scramble to fill at bats with with Jason Worth and Ryan Zimmerman out. Um, earlier this season with Denard Span out. But uh, um, both players have their talents. I think uh, um, Sousa's got more power, but uh, um, Taylor's a better defensive player, and, and um, obviously Taylor, Taylor's got really good speed. So um, I think both problem, I think both hitters are going to have long-term problems uh, making contact, um, and that's really going what, it, what it's going to boil down to between uh, either player, um, you know, being a, a sometime starter in major leagues, um, and being better than that, I actually think Taylor um, has a better chance of having a higher ceiling than Souza. I think Souza um, is a is a homer or or strikeout guy all the way, whereas I think Taylor can be a little bit more versatile. And certainly his defense um, makes him uh, a viable full time player, even if he does only hit 240. Um, but uh, both players are getting a chance to um, exhibit their skills in the major leagues this year. And it's so easy to look at the Nationals' outfield situation now and say they could really use Sousa right now and kind of lament the fact that they did trade him away. But trading Sousa and minor league pitcher Travis Ott, who, as far as I could tell today, hasn't thrown a major uh, inning anywhere in baseball. I think he's, last I heard he was working out and extended spring training with the Rays as they tried to mess with his delivery or change it up a little bit. But trading Sousa and Travis Ott, even with what we've just seen from Joe Ross and just two starts so far so far, and what he's done at double-A and what we've seen from Trey Turner at double-A in the Padres system until he came over on Sunday and will make his debut in the Nats system on Tuesday, I'd make this trade 100 times out of 100 if they offered it again. Still not exactly sure why the Rays did what they did, giving up the two prospects that they did, but I think Rizzo, so far this one is a win, and I'd do it again if I had the chance. No, oh, absolutely, and um, you know if you read everything you read on the internet, uh, former Nats general manager Jim Bowden, who's now a, a talking head, seems to think that Trey Turner will be starting at shortstop for the Nats on the first of August. So, um, so we have that going for us. Which, but, um, but yeah, Trey Turner is eventually um, going to be the best player that moved in that deal. I mean, uh, Will Myers um, was at one point the best prospect in, in, in baseball. Um, but between accumulation of injury and, and bouncing around to three different teams now, uh, seems to be a, a, a bit of a washout. Um, you know, Joe Ross is, is turning in a couple of nice performances so far for the Nats. Uh, he's got a nice pedigree. He's got a, a nice couple pick, couple of pitch mix. Um, that's easy for me to say. Um, but I think Trey <laughs> Turner is eventually going to be the best player that was included in that deal. Uh, I hate to do this, but going back to Ian Desmond again tonight, another offer. Talked to reporters today, said he's not lacking in confidence, knows he can get out of this slump. Even Ken Rosenthal today, however, is writing about Danny Espinosa's resurgence and the fact that he could be a, p- a potential shortstop of the future, at least until Turner is ready next season when Desi's expected at this point to leave as a free agent. Uh, do you have confidence in Ian Desmond that he's going to pull out of this? We can look at his numbers, and as we've mentioned several times on this show, he heats up as the weather does, but so far, no sign of it. And again tonight, another rough one. Even They moved him down to ninth in the order in the AL lineup. Um, was Rosenthal listening to our show the other night when I suggested that Espinosa <laughs> play up? Um, I'd prefer Espinosa you know, there over Escobar, I'll say. Right, well... Um, I looked at Desmond's uh, numbers yesterday, not just the boxcar ones, but I went and looked at the, 
um, the advanced stats and um, try to little, dig a little bit deeper. But um, it, it's really confusing because he's he's making about as much contact as he always has. His strikeout rate really isn't all that much more than um, than what it generally has been, and and it's pretty lousy. I mean, he strikes out a lot for a medium power guy, but um, you know he's just. Um, these last three weeks has been particularly bad, as almost as if um, something has happened um, to make him just completely uh, unable to make contact with the ball. And I don't know if, if he's got an injury or if there's something personal going on or, or what it is, but, I mean, he can talk about confidence all he wants, um, but right now he's hurting the ball club. And, um, and if Matt Williams um, thinks he's got a better option there, then he should do it. Obviously, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. He's given Desmond a day off. Um, here or there, but um, hasn't benched him yet. But um, dropping him to ninth um, in an American League batting order um, certainly has to tell you the confidence that Matt Williams has uh, with Ian Desmond right now. Yeah, gotta be tough for Ian Desmond going through this. I'm sure it's tough to watch as well. Forget about this game. The Nationals lose six to one. Blah blah blah. Thirty-three and thirty-one on the year. What I want to talk about for the last minute and 45 seconds here, Steven Strasburg scheduled to make his first rehab start with the Harrisburg Senators on Wednesday, according to several announcements this morning. Matt Williams talked about it as well. He threw 60 pitches in a live bullpen in Milwaukee while the Nationals were there. plan is for having, to have him go 80-85-ish in his rehab start with the Senators on Wednesday. I was hoping they would kind of give him a few starts before they bring him back and make sure his mechanics are in line. The reports from that live batting practice were good. The hitters he faced said that they don't understand why he's not doing that in games either. No one quite understands that, which is a problem. But for some reason, it seems as if he goes 85 in that. Matt Williams said and told the Washington Post or whatever reporters were in Tampa Bay that if he gets up to 85, his next start would be 85. that's about what he's been throwing in his major league outings, so he could be back as soon as one minor league rehab start. Which I just don't. I, I mean, I didn't see that live batting practice, but I've seen what he's done all season. The fact that the idea that he could turn this all around after one minor league rehab start and a few bullpen and live batting sessions is, doesn't seem right to me. But what do you think about the Nationals possibly bringing him back after just one rehab start? Well, you know, he, he's had a litany of problems. You know, he had the the ankle injury in. in um, in spring training, he complained of a sore neck. He complained of uh, upper back problem. You know, it, it hasn't been in the arm. And if they have cleared out all those nagging injuries and he feels 100%, then he ought to be able to go out and and dominate in in a minor in a um, you know in a, in a bullpen session and then in a minor league rehab spot and get him back in the rotation. My problem is that it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to jive that that they put him on the disabled list and, and don't shut him down for even a complete two weeks. I mean, we're still inside of the two-week window here. So, you know, is this physical? Was it a mental? Was it more of a mental break? I mean, it doesn't seem like whatever physically could have been bothering him enough to put him on the disabled list would have just simply gone away in this in this six or seven days between putting him on the disabled list and when he threw the bullpen session. So, uh, you know, my... I'm going to fall back on 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 this. Who the heck knows? You know, uh, with with the, with the Nats medical staff, it's all a crapshoot. We don't know if a guy's hurt unless he's really hurt and he's going under the knife. So, um, you know, we'll all watch Wednesday and watch how Strasburg performs. And if he gets hit around by by Double A kids, then we'll know something's still wrong with him. But uh, um, other than that, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. 
Another reason to watch that game, aside from seeing what Strass is able to do, is that he's going to have a heck of a middle infield behind him with Trey Turner and Wilmer Difo down there at Double A. So, plenty of reasons to watch that one. I'll be in D.C. watching the Nationals, however, so I'll have to keep that one on my phone during the game. Matt Knightley, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. Six to one loss tonight. One more in Tampa tomorrow, and then two with the Rays in D.C. After that, Dave, talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. So I guess it's going to happen.